You're listening to the weekly podcast of Launch Church of Jacksonville, Florida. We pray you enjoy today's message. Every week about you guys, they ask that, you know, see how you guys are doing, if there's any way they can be a blessing or whatnot to this ministry they are definitely a blessing to Vonda and myself, praise God. So I just encourage you guys to, to, to tune in on next Sunday. We won't be meeting at 11 o'clock, okay? That's because we will be in, praise God, we will be in um, Atlanta, Georgia, ministering in Atlanta, Georgia that weekend. The conference starts Friday, uh, Saturday, and Sunday. We'll, we're leaving on Thursday, so we ask for your prayers as we... Uh, either fly or drive. We haven't made our mind up yet, but it'll be one or the other in Jesus' name. Um, but we are uh, hoping to hopefully to fly for me. I don't want to be on the road for five hours. I'll just be honest with you. I'd rather just get there in 35 minutes and be done. But uh, amen, we'll be there. Amen, we'll be there. Hallelujah. And we would love for you guys to join, see who our leaders are, get a chance to hear them teach and preach, um, even though they will be coming to this church um, definitely on our, our on our opening, praise God, they'll be here. They've already planned that to be here. Once we get our building, get all that situated, they will be here. So I'll mention it again at the end of service for those, because I know we'll have some people that tune on tune in a little bit later. But next Sunday, go to YouTube to Impart Ministries International, their YouTube page, and you can catch the service where we will be at on next Sunday. Worship starts at 1245 and the actual service starts at 130. All right. We love you guys so, so much. Amen. It feels a little wide up here. I'm not used to this, but it's all right. We're going to get it done. All right, let's pray, and we're going to hop into this word. Amen. If y'all hear any little baby noises, that's because my, my again, my goddaughter is here, and she is in the service, and she looks so pretty. I wish y'all could see her. All right, Heavenly Father, we just bless you and thank you for today, Lord God. We thank you for these, your children, Father. We thank you, Father God, that you love us more than life itself, Father. And we thank you. I think something that gets skipped over so much is the fact that you're not you're not a respect of persons, that whatever you do in one person's life, you'll do it in the, the next person's life. The same exact way, it might be some, some different strategies or different roles, but the, 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 the end part is blessing. So Father, we thank you for loving us with reckless abandonment. We thank you for loving us unconditionally, Father. And we just thank you for being such a good, good Father. That's just who you are. And we're loved by you. Jesus, we give you praise. We lift you up. We magnify what you did on that cross by laying down your life. You said there's no greater friend than one that will lay down his life. So you showed us that not only are you a good brother, but you're also a friend. You want to see us in right standards with God. And that is an absolute blessing. And Holy Spirit, we say, do what you need to do. Say what you need to say. Move how you need to move. Open up the mysteries of the word of God unto us, and we will apply them to our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray, believe, and declare. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 4, and hopefully we can finish this up this week. Praise God. I know I don't like to go into six weeks. I kind of keep it at four weeks, but if, if we're doing a series, but I'm following God on this and have been following God, and we're going to keep it out there. John chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 24, praise God. John chapter 4, verse 24. And it says this. God is a spirit. 
And we learned already that God being the spirit means that he is omnipresent. He's omniscient and he's everywhere. He's all powerful. He's he got all the power in his hands. He knows everything and he is everywhere at the same time. And it says that they that worship him must worship him in spirit, meaning that there is what we talked about last week, a way to where we can become all powerful, all knowing and everywhere at the same time, because we have to worship him in the same spirit that he is. And that is we learned through Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit shows us and teaches us all things. He had there's an unction. The Bible calls it an unction or a smearing a smearing of himself on us. That's what the word unction means. There's a smearing of himself on us. The best way I can think about it is when you're out to eat, when you're out to eat and and you you're eating and you're enjoying your food and then you happen to drop something on your nice clean white tea <laughs> and you try to get some soda water and you try to, to, to dap it up a little bit so it don't stain. But in reality, because it's a white tea, it smears into the fabric of the clothes, right? And it, you can't get out. And for the rest of the day, if you don't have a change of a shirt or you don't go to a store and buy a shirt, for the rest of the day, everybody's going to know that you had lasagna at 12 o'clock <laughs> for the rest of the day. And that is a smearing of that lasagna into your clothes. Well, Holy Spirit says, Holy Spirit says that there is a smearing, praise God, of himself in you. I remember when I was in Bible college, I taught about this and I, and I, and I taught about it using a bottle of lotion. Now, I don't know how lotion works with your body, but I know how it works with my body. When I get out of a shower and I put lotion on and I lather up the lotion rubs into my skin, I can't see that lotion. I can't see that lotion. But when I walk outside and that heat hits me, and that sun begins to beam on my head and I begin to sweat. My pores open up and that lotion, when I go to wipe off that sweat, I see that that lotion that was once in my skin is now on top of my skin showing up. And that's exactly how the Holy Spirit works. That that lotion being Holy Spirit, I rub him in. I may not see him, but when times get hot and heavy and hard, that's when he comes up on top of my skin and he begins to protect me, show me, guide me, lead me, give me power and what I where I need power at so that I can be successful in what I'm doing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'll never forget that. Message. That was the first message I preached in Bible college. So the Bible says here, not only do we need to worship him in spirit, but we have to worship him in truth. We have to worship him in truth. And this is what we left off at. So what I want us to do, let's go to Proverbs chapter one. Praise God. Let's go to Proverbs chapter one. Man, that was almost a deep praise God. My pastor voice came back for a little bit. Proverbs chapter one. And let's really look at this thing. I was kind of jumping around from here and there, but let's try to address this thing in Jesus name. Because there's something about truth that we need to know. Proverbs chapter one, and we're just going to look at verse seven. It says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, the reason why I go here when we're talking about truth is understanding that the fear, which is the worship, worshipful reverence of God. That's what that word means. A worshipful reverence of God. And we learned that worship is not lifting your hands. Worship is not singing a song. Worship is when God asks you to do something, you actually do what he asks you to do it without delay. That's worship. 
right? And that worshipful fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. Knowledge is the beginning of truth. But we can't call truth truth until we have knowledge. Now, let me read this out of the what the encyclopedia, encyclopedia said about the word knowledge. The study of knowledge is one of the most fundamental aspects of psychological inquiry. Any claim to knowledge must be evaluated by truth to determine whether or not it is indeed it, in, it indeed constitutes as knowledge. Hallelujah. Such an evaluation essentially requires an understanding of what truth is so that knowledge becomes possible to attain. So now, in order for me to have knowledge, I think I said it wrong, truth, knowledge is truth applied. How about that? That's the best way to say it. In order for, for, for me to have this, this truth in my hands, I first have to have this knowledge, excuse me, in order for me to have truth, knowledge, I first have to have truth. And truth is determined by these factors. Let's keep reading. It says, in order for someone to know something, there must be something one has had about truth. We can conclude that truth is a condition of knowledge. If there is no such thing as truth, then there is no such thing as knowledge. Now, let's go over here to Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4. For those who don't know where that is, that's in your Old Testament. And it's right after Hosea chapter 3. Hosea chapter 3. Now, Praise God, as I'm struggling to find it. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we're going to Hosea chapter 4. Keep passing it. And it's right here. Glory to God. It's one of those books that I always struggle to find. I don't know why. I think it's right before Amos. It is right before Amos. Hosea chapter 4. All right, there we go. Looking at verse 6, it says this. My people are destroyed for a lack of what? Knowledge. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now watch this, because this is what we, we like to stop as pastors, and we like to preach this part, and we like to shout and jump. My people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. You got to get knowledge. You must have knowledge. And we get into this, and we get so emotional, and we forget to read the rest of the verse. Look at what the rest of the verse says. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee. Now, let me break this down. Let me tell you what Hosea is saying. God is saying my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And remember, wherever knowledge is, that means truth must have been there before. So my people are destroyed from, from a lack of truth, not because truth wasn't there, but because it was there and they chose to reject it. Oh, my God. Look at this. That's what this verse is saying here. Not because knowledge wasn't there, because thou has rejected knowledge. So they are destroyed from a lack of knowledge because they rejected knowledge. And the Bible says, because you rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. And thou shalt be no priest to me, 
seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Now look at God here. That seems like that's such a hard verse that God is saying. But what he's saying is, in actuality, because you don't want to find or accept the knowledge right in front of you, or better said, because knowledge can't be called knowledge until it goes to this filter of truth, because you don't want to accept the truth that is right in front of you, because you don't want to act like truth is not there or is not in front of him, you, you can't find truth. The Bible says you perish. And because you perish, and the reason you're perishing is because you rejected the truth. And because you rejected the truth, God rejects you. Now, that's hard. And I know that's Old Testament. And thank God for Jesus. This is why we all don't have our hands up. Every time somebody says the name Jesus or even Jay, we just ought to lift our hands. Like, oh, I thought you were going to say Jesus. Why? Because Jesus gives us that, that, that way back into God. The way God operated in the Old Testament, if you refuse truth, that means you're refusing knowledge. And because you're refusing knowledge, that means you're refusing me. And because you're refusing me, I'm going to refuse you. And what has happened in the body of Christ these days that we live in now, we are worshiping God off theory. We're worshiping God off theory. That's why we think it's okay to not do what he says do. That's why we think that true worship is when we lift our hands. That's why when we see somebody worshiping and crying, we think that they have a, a, a real relationship with Christ. That's why we're deceived in our relationships. And we think, yeah, he loves the Lord. Yes, she loves the Lord. And then when you marry them, you see that you've married a demon because we're worshiping God based on theory and not truth. And it's not because truth isn't there. It's because it's there, but we've, we've chose to reject <laughs> oh man i'm preaching real good hallelujah i know ain't that right adeline amen say amen hallelujah <laughs> i love you girl so we are worshiping god based on theory and 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 what happens what theory produces is religion theory produces religion i'm gonna say that one more time if you're taking notes you ought to write this down theory produces religion theory produces religion and as we produce this theory we produce more religion that's why we have all this stuff going around like god won't put more on you than you can bear do you know that scripture is nowhere in the bible how about this scripture the race is not given to the swift but those who endure to the end do you know that's nowhere in the bible <laughs> it's something that we have just made the bible because it sounds good. And because it sounds good, pastors will tell you and teach you now that you know the Bible says God won't put more on you than you can bear. Well, let's address this right now. Let's address this theory because it's not truth. They get that from the Bible verse called in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And it says that in the face of temptation, God will make a way of escape. It doesn't say anything about him put you putting more putting more on you than you can bear. Why? Because it would not make sense. Let's think about this. Let's use our logical minds. It would not make sense for God to send his only begotten son, Jesus, to take everything off of you, to take sickness off of you, to take depression off of you, to take brokenness off of you, to take all these things and transgression and sin off of you, to then turn around and put it back on you. It would not make sense. So no, 
God won't you God won't put more on you than you can bear because he's not putting nothing on you. You have a real enemy that wants to uh, uh to, that wants to cause you to fail. So he throws temptation. And God says, My promise to you is in the face of that temptation, I'll make a way of escape. Every single time I'll let a phone ring in the midst of temptation. Hallelujah. Praise God. In the midst of temptation, I'll let a car, a loud horn, just honk the horn and shake you out of what you're thinking about doing. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. In the midst of temptation, praise God. I'll let I'll, I'll let your, your sister or your brother reach out to you. I'll let something, a, a bill come in, praise God, so that you don't go spend your money frivolously. In the midst of temptation, I will make a way of escape for you. That's truth. But instead of knowing the truth and walking in confidence in the truth that God is going to make a way of escape every single time I get in something or attempt the devil presents something to me, instead we walk in the theory, which is God won't put more on me than I can bear. And what happens with the theory is we start complaining to God, God, what is happening? What is going on, God? Why are you letting this happen to me? Why are you making me go through this? Why are you putting this on me? And God is sitting back saying, I haven't put anything on you. That's just a real enemy that's fighting against you and you got to learn how to fight back. Come on, say amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look at this other theory. The race is not given to the swift, but to those who, amen. That's right, Adeline. Amen. The, the, the race is not given to the swift, but to those who endure to the end. That's a theory. If we take and honestly, what what the what somebody did is they took two verses and they tried to combine them and make them one. The Bible says the King Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, I believe it is, the race is not given to the swift. Or, and if you read the verse in its entirety, it says it's not given to the swift or the slow. The race is given to whoever completes the race. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, my God. So what King Solomon was saying is don't get upset and concerned if somebody's running faster than you and don't get upset and concerned if somebody's running slower than you. Just complete the race. As long as they are completing the race, that is all that matters. See, we had what he was saying is we as a people get so caught up on trying to finish first, or we get so caught up on trying to pull somebody with us that we get our mind off the goal, which is completing the race. Oh, I'm talking good. And what happens is when we get our minds off target, we get so busy trying to pull family. You know, that person you love, you want them to be saved so bad. You get so so caught up trying to pull them to the finish line that now your life is in shambles. And what King Solomon says, don't worry if they're running faster than you. In other words, when you see that Christian that looks like they got everything going on, well, what am I doing wrong and what are they doing right? King Solomon said, don't get into all of that. Don't get into all of that. If they're running faster than you, to God be the glory. If they're running slower than you, to God be the glory. Just as long as you complete the race, that is all that matters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now in theory, we're thinking the race is not given to the swift, but those who endure to the end. So we're thinking we got to run slow. 
when God has called you to run fast. Come on. And then you get you get superstitious and say, I don't know if this is God because they, it, it can't be this perfect. It can't be going this well because the race isn't given to the swift. Hallelujah. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's not given to the swift or the fast or the slow. So whichever pace you're going at, go at it. Just complete the race. And now, because we have not known the difference, we start worshiping God based on theory. And now when God is trying to propel us forward, we're fighting the hand of God to keep us back because we don't want to seem like we're not humble, what we call false humility. We want to, we don't want to, oh, that God can't be blessing me this much because he's a moderate, he's a God that, that blesses you in moderation. No, he's not. When you're living right, when your spirit is aligned with him, he says in Hebrews chapter four, he will guide and lead you into all rest, meaning he starts working for you. Oh, hallelujah. I'm preaching real good. Glory to God. Glory to God. And now because you've been worshiping on theory, you're trying to slow God down. Come on, we've said it before. I think you're just moving too fast. I think I, I think you left that church too fast. I think you were supposed to be a part of that ministry and you just left prematurely. That's not you leaving prematurely. That's you keeping up with the pace of your race. And it's people right now that were supposed to be gone. For those who will watch later, let me look directly into the camera. For those who will watch on, on YouTube and, and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, there's people, praise God, right now that are listening, that are sitting in places that God told you to leave three or four or five years ago, but because you're trying to say, no, that can't be God because he's moving me too fast, you're missing out on what God has for you to do because you're sitting back waiting, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. You're sitting back waiting because you think you're supposed to move slower because God can't be in the speed. Hallelujah. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. We can't call something knowledge until it's gone through the vehicle of truth. So my people perish because of a lack of truth. We're so caught up with cliches and things that sound good. We're caught up doing things and saying things because that's what mama and them said. That's what the pastor them said. And I tell you all the time, everything that I say on this message, go back and study it and make sure I'm telling you accurately. Don't just take my word. <clears throat> Don't just take my word. Yeah, I'm good. <clears throat> you ought to be studying this thing yourself. The Bible says, I got in order for me to be successful, I got to worship him in truth. I got to worship him in truth, Regina. I got to worship him in truth, Shalonda. I have to worship him in truth. And now you got to be honest with yourself and see, how have I been worshiping God? Have I been worshiping God based off of my grandma's relationship? Have I been worshiping God based off the pastor's relationship? Or have I taken time to learn for myself so I can worship him, praise God, off of the relationship I have with him? You know the verse in Corinthians that says, work out your own soul salvation. You know. The Bible that Paul says that because 
There are a lot of people that are trying to work out their salvation based upon their husband, their wife, their grandma, their auntie, the pastor, the best friend, neighbor, auntie, cousin, roommate from 2007-17. We're trying to work out your soul salvation by basing your life off of what everybody else is doing. And the Bible says you can't do that. You can't serve God based upon by following the fad. Well, that's what's wrong with the church nowadays. We get at one point it had to be very we got to wear suits and we got to wear ties. We're following the fad, even though and, and we were and, and we were we were praise God. We were. Hallelujah. So concerned. We were so concerned that if somebody came to church and they weren't wearing a suit, we would pick them out and say and, and rebuke them and say, no, no, no. But the Bible makes it very clear. Come just as you are. So we were in that phase, real heavy. The church was following the fad, the trend. Then we get in the phase where now, you know, wear a jersey, wear nice street clothes and, and have all this smoke and lights and all this stuff to make it more entertaining. And we're in this fad or this trend now. So we went from you can't wear jeans and all this stuff to the church you have to wear a suit to now this is, we don't, we barely go in churches that wear suits now. And what the Bible is saying is this, you'll spend your life going in circles. If you don't have truth, you'll spend your life going in circles. If you're living off of what somebody else said, my mom used to teach me this. My dad used to teach me this. So this must be the, the, the truth of the, of the matter. I could say that I had pastors for parents. They taught me a whole bunch of things. But until I started to work out my own soul salvation, I didn't realize that the stuff they taught me was based off of what they, what God told them to do. And some of it was religion. And I'm not trying to down my parents because they raised me the best they can. That is not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to say is that at the, at the end of the day, even though my parents raised me the best that they could, I was it was still up to me to get before God and say, God, is this true what I've been taught? And what I have found in when I'm counseling marriages, what I have found when we go to get churches organized and leadership organized, that a lot of stuff that they're abiding by and putting and calling them rules are things that were put in place and nobody can tell them from where it came. You know, there's a saying that says, there's a saying that says, if you can show it to me in the Bible, I would believe it. We say that, but do we actually do it? <laughs> oh, praise God. Praise God. Now, I gave you guys a definition a couple of weeks ago of what truth was. Truth comes from a Hebrew word that it means a sphere, sphere. It means truth. It means not merely spoken. It's the truth of an idea, the truth of reality, the truth of sincerity, the truth in a moral sphere. It is divine revelation revealed to man. Truth is straightforwardness. The first thing to understand about truth is this. It's a spear. Give me that ball. Give me, give me one of Adeline's balls. Praise God. I forgot to bring my volleyball. Hallelujah. Truth is a spear. Oh, okay, here you go. Take it back. She want her ball. I'm sorry. Come on, Adeline. Get it back. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take it from you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I love kids. 
All right, give me another. You probably gonna throw down when she's gonna say the same thing. Truth is a sphere, right? It is all the way round. See, we think, you know, have you ever heard the, the phrase that says there's three sides to every story? There's his side, her side, and then the actual truth. Well, the, the reason why that phrase is, is saying because when we're talking about truth, we typically say, oh, there's his side of it, which is coming from their point of view. And then there's her side of it, which is coming from his point, uh, her point of view. But then there's actually the side of truth, which is a spear, meaning it's taking everything that happened so you can see it in all and in, in, in its all entirety. And what happened? You're welcome. You want this one too? Here, Lauren, give this one back to her as well. Thank you. You're welcome. So what happens is with this ball or this spear of truth, when we're going through a situation where we get this one-sidedness is that situation, we're seeing it so close to our face. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. You've been going through a situation and the only thing you can talk about is that situation. The only thing you can think about is that situation. Everybody that come in, you sharing what's going on. Your whole conversation is solely about that situation. What that is saying, let me do it this way. What that is saying is you are this close to truth. But truth, remember, is round. Truth is round. So if I'm this close to truth, I'm not going to be able to see the other side of truth because I'm so focused of what's happening right here. That's why we serve a God. That's why God says in Psalms chapter one, that it is safety in the council of the multitude. You want to know why it's safety in the council of the multitude? Because you're seeing it from right here. The multitude is sitting around you and they're able to see other aspects of what's going on. But because you're so involved in what's happening, you only see it from here. So let's go to uh, Proverbs. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 11. I'm going too fast. I need to slow down. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm preaching real good. Hallelujah. I got, I got myself excited. I know, girl. Yes. So Proverbs chapter 11. I want you guys to see this for yourself so you all don't get mad at me. Matter of fact, I, I know I can't hear you guys, but I want y'all to read this with me. Read this with me. Proverbs chapter 11 says this, verse 1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. So when we are looking at a situation from just this, this, this way, one point of view. The Bible says God looks at that as an abomination. God, I'm just going through so much. All this is happening in my life. And I don't know why all this is happening in my life. But you said you'll love me. You said you'll be there for me. You said you'll never leave me. You said you'll never forsake me. You said that you will always have my back. But I feel like you've left me. And the Bible says because you only see it from this point of view, it's an abomination before God, which means God spews it out of his mouth. <laughs> Let me take time and really say that. That means God spews it out of his mouth. Think about that. All the times we pray, God, why haven't you done this? Why are you letting me go through this? Why are you putting me through this? God looks at that as trash and he throws it away. 
But wait a minute. You said that the, in Romans that the, that the Lord says he's concerned with whatever concerns us. Yes, he is concerned with whatever concerns us. However, he expects us to have enough mental strength to say, even though I'm going through it this way right now, God, I'm going to take time and I'm going to back away from the situation so I can see it from all angles. That's why that verse in Philippians, matter of fact, let's just go there. Philippians uh, chapter four. Philippians chapter four, Holy Spirit is taking over again. Here you go. Philippians chapter four. Hallelujah. Let's just go there. Philippians chapter four. Praise God. Philippians chapter four. I want you to re read this with me. Verse four, it says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful of nothing or for nothing. In other words, don't be full of care. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, making your thanksgiving known unto, uh, making with thanksgiving, letting your requests be made known unto God. And when you do this, when you are careful or full of no cares, when you are full of no cares, the Bible says this, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will now invade your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute now, Vonda. Wait a minute now, Lauren. Wait a minute now, Adeline. Wait a minute. I'm praying for the peace of God to invade my mind and my heart, but the Bible says, until I release all care of a situation, and I make a prayer of that situation. And after I make the prayer of that situation, I give thanks that God has heard my prayer and he has answered my prayer. Then after those steps, the peace of God will now invade my heart. The peace that passes all understanding will now invade my heart and my mind. And then it says, once that peace of God has invaded my heart and my mind, it says, finally, Brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things of a good report, if there be any virtue or there be any praise, think on those things. What does that verse mean? After I've released everything to God and I've given it to him and I've lifted my hands up and said, God, there's nothing else I can do. I'm putting this in your hand and I'm not going to think about it no more. I'm not going to stress over it no more. I'm not going to worry about it no more. And then after that, I'm going to only think on whatever is true. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm going to only think on whatever is honest. I'm going to only think on whatever is just. I'm going to only think on whatever is pure. I'm going to only think on whatever is of a good report. And then it goes on to say, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on those things. So in other words, if you happen to be in a situation where it is extremely hard for you to find anything good about it, the Bible says, if you can find just the smallest minute thing in that situation that is good, maybe it is you just woke up this morning. Hallelujah. The Bible says, think on that. Oh, yeah, bye-bye. Why? Because God is trying to keep us out of a one-sided balance. He wants us to stay fully balanced in this situation. This is truth. And truth is, the fact the truth is, is though I might see it this way, there is definitely a whole nother side to it that God wants me to see. And until I see that other side, praise God,
I can't make the right decision or I'm making what we call emotional decisions. And we already know what emotions are. Emotions are nothing but predictions that are made, whether true or untrue, based off of your childhood trauma. You're welcome. Give it to Lauren. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Emotions are childhood predictions, excuse me, predictions, whether true or untrue, that are made from your childhood trauma. Right? Your childhood trauma. So you can't count on your emotions. Your emotions are going to be all out of whack because they switch based upon how you were raised. I'll give you an example. Back in the day, I used to be mad at everything. I would fight you in a heartbeat. I didn't care. I was a nerd, but I would fight. I was just different. I had these glasses. My mom sent me to school with suits on, and I would just fight because, number one, I had to protect myself. I had to protect myself because people would try to pick on me, and people would try to steal my lunch money, and people would just try to come and boss me around and bully me. But I was fighting because I didn't know who I really was. So well, you got to protect yourself. You got to protect yourself. I just imagine nowadays if I just would have turned around and said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I imagine nowadays maybe my I didn't I didn't have to go to 12 different grade schools if I really knew the truth of the situation that that a person was picking on me because they were they were sorry about or embarrassed of their own insecurities. Oh, my gosh. So in order to make them feel better, they had to, to in, make somebody else feel inferior to them. Oh, I'm talking real good right now. Hallelujah. Maybe if I knew that. The Bible says this. If you can find any virtue in anything, if you can find any praise in this worst situation, find us things, find those things. Why? Because when you find those things, you don't get your mouth involved negative, negatively. I have preached this time and time again. Right but two inches below your nose, you have a 12-gauge shotgun that is waiting to, to, to fire on your behalf. And the way you decide to use that gun is on you. Whether you want to point it at the enemy or you want to point that gun at you at yourself, that is how it's going to affect you. And for years, Christian Christians have pointed that gun at themselves. And they say things not knowing that their words are so powerful. Remember last week we talked about it. God gave, God said that Jesus came in John 10, 10 to give us life and life more abundantly. We, we looked at that word life, which means Eve and Eve means the one who gives birth. So Jesus came to give us the ability to give birth and to give birth in abundance. He's not talking about a natural birth. He's talking about birth with our words. When we don't have something, we use our words to birth what we don't have. Paul said it like this. We call those things that are not as though they were. We're calling them into existence. Hallelujah. Let's look at Proverbs. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. I hope y'all are getting something out of this. Praise God. This is so good to me. I'm being stingy with it. I'm loving it. Proverbs 11. Let's go back there and let's look at verse 14. And it says this. Where no counsel is, the people fall. <laughs> but in the multitude of counselors, there's what? Safety. Where no counselor is, 
single fall. That is a guarantee. When you're trying to go through life by yourself, when you're trying to make it happen by yourself, when you're looking at situations and you don't call for help or you don't ask somebody else to help you, to give me a different view or a different perspective of this, the Bible says it guarantees that you will fall. You will. And that word fall there means give up. Quit. Say it's not worth it. Turn your back on. Whenever there's no counsel, hear me good. You will fall. That is not a, a, a condition. That is a promise. That's not if this, then that. A cause and effect. That is a promise. The Bible says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. Look at this. Verse 14 out of the Amplified. Where there is no wise guidance, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors and wise guidance, there is safety. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why? Because it's our job to help you see the fullness of the truth. Because you cannot see fullness of truth and call it knowledge if, if you haven't fully gotten the truth of the matter. A lot of us, again, are operating off of theory or have truths. And we're, we're, we're saying, how come this knowledge isn't working? And I'm sorry, if you go buy a toy, but you don't buy the batteries, the toy won't work. And a lot of us have bought the toy. We bought in that Jesus can help us. Oh, come on. I'm preaching real good. We bought in that God can help us. When things are hard, we know where to run to. But we won't buy the batteries for the toy, which is learning the truth of his word so that we can apply it to our lives. Oh, hallelujah. We have to buy the batteries in the toy and put them together so it can work in our lives. I'm, I hate to say this because I know some pastors won't say this, but it's not good enough just to say you saved. It's not good enough. And I hate to say it because it, it puts so much pressure on us as, as believers, but I'm not saying it in a form to put pressure on you. I'm saying it from a, a standpoint of we want God, but we don't want God. We want him the way we want him. Imagine being in a relationship with somebody like that. Let's say you single, praise God, or you're married. And you love this person. You're really into this person. You're giving everything to this person. And this person only calls you when they need something. This person only wants to obey you when they need something. This person only thinks about you when they need something. Eventually, if we're, if we're looking at it from our standpoint, when I see that person call, I do it like this, send a voicemail. I don't want to deal with that because I know that's another question. Well, if you're like that and you're made after his own image and in his own likeness, where do you think you got that from? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> where do you think you got that from? <laughs> oh, you thought that was just you. That's just, I got that from my mama. Where do you think she got it from? <laughs> she got it from her daddy. Where do you think he got it from? God doesn't want 
someone to halfway commit to him. We we subtle, we we often forget, Vonda, that the Bible says God is a jealous God. Like we we see him as Jehovah Jireh, we, he's my provider. We see him as Jehovah Nisi, he's my banner. I see him as Jehovah Tasit Canoe, he's the one that makes things right. Hallelujah! I see him as Jehovah Rapha, he's my healer. Glory to God. I see him as El Elyon. He's God on high, the most high God. I see him as Adonai. He's the many-breasted one. I see him as all of that, but I never see him as a jealous God. And my Bible makes it very clear that your God, my God, is a jealous God. Hallelujah. He's a jealous God. And you can't just come to him when you need something. You can. He'll take you. But at some point, he's going to be like, you got to do this. I've given you the power. A lot of us are, are wondering, or a lot of people out there wonder, why don't God intervene? Why doesn't he intervene on our behalf? And the truth of the matter is, we don't know the truth in this situation. The truth is, God said, I have given heaven and earth to man. Excuse me, I have given earth to man, and they shall have dominion over it. God, watch this. God is so good and so faithful that he won't even break his own word. Can I can I drop y'all some knowledge real quick? Can I can I take a side note? I got how much time do I have? I got a couple more minutes. Can I just can I just give y'all some can, amen? I know you feel it. Can I can I just give y'all some knowledge real quick? Can I just drop y'all with a nugget? Back in Genesis, God said, I made man in my likeness, Genesis chapter three, verse 26, and in my, in my, in my image, and I have given them dominion over the earth, over the creeping things, over the fish of the sea, over the trees, I've given them dominion. And a lot of people always ask, why didn't God step in when Adam and Eve were in the, in the, the garden about to eat the forbidden fruit, whatever that fruit may be? Why didn't, uh, Lauren, can you go turn that down? Why didn't Adam and Eve, I mean, God step in during that, pay, that phase? Why did he just let them sin? Why? And the truth of the matter is this. God is so faithful to his word that he wouldn't even break his word to save us. And I know it sounds crazy. He says, I'm so true. If I break my word now, then that means my word won't be true later. And if my word isn't true, if I break my word now, that means I have no gravity. My words would no longer hold gravity. So what I have to do is make a remedy, which would be Jesus, because I, got, I can't afford to lose the weight of my word. And the weight of my word is I have given men dominion. And if God would have stepped in right there, he would have took, taken back dominion from man, which would have left us vulnerable today, and we would not have any power over Satan. So what he said is, I got to leave dominion in the devil's hands, make a remedy called my son so that he can go take it back and give it back to us, his children, so that we can have dominion. God says, I am so faithful to my word. I will not let it break, even at the expense of, of hurting or breaking my heart. I want y'all to take time and think about that, because God has said some things to each and every person on this live. 
There's been prophecies on this live to people. You've received not only prophecies from me, but from other people. And I want you to understand that God is so faithful to his word that he will refuse to break it just to make sure that that word comes to pass. Oh, hallelujah. That's good to me. That's good to me. Now, I want to talk about really quickly that the truth, and we, we touched on this last week a little bit, truth is not merely something that you see. Truth is also something that is spoken. There's spoken truth. Remember, we went to Romans chapter 10, verse 17, where it says, and, and faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And we learned that that word in the word of God means his spoken word. I don't have time to get into it, but there are 10, 10 ways to hear God's spoken word. I'll give them to you. And maybe later on down the line, we'll do a sermon on this on how to recognize God's audible voice. Number one, his audible voice. Number two, an angelic visitation. You've heard this before. Angel, somebody has had an angel show up and, and give them something or show them something. Number three, visions and dreams. We all have visions and we all have dreams. Number four, signs. Signs. When you're driving down the road and you see a sign that I remember back in the day, I was driving uh, to a clinic and I saw a, a blood drive bus and it said the blood saves. And I was like, oh, thank you, God, for speaking to my heart. The blood saves. It was that was a, that was God speaking or a spoken word of God. Number five, favor and providence. Number six, God's written word and his spoken word. Excuse me, God's written word. And then number seven is God's spoken word. Number eight, God can speak to you through people. Every Sunday, he speaks through me to speak to you. Number nine, God speaks through your conscience. Uh, Colossians 3.15, what we see with the peace of God ruling and reigning in our heart. And if, if, if I don't have peace for a situation, I shouldn't do it. That's not, that's not just, I, I just knew there was just something that told me. No, that's not something that told you, that's God. And then number 10, a still small voice. A still small voice. Now, I want to go here really quickly because I, I got to finish this up today because I don't want this to linger on into November. But I want to go here real quick to. Um, let's go to John chapter eight. And I want to look at verse 31. John chapter eight. Starting at verse 31. I don't have my reader today, and that's fine. I didn't grow up with a reader. But John chapter 8, and let's look at verse 31. It says this, and then Jesus, and, and then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my what? If you continue in my word, then, then, then are you my disciples. That word word there is spoken word. If you continue in my spoken word, you are my disciples, indeed. And ye shall know what? Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Be careful, be careful, mama. And the truth shall make you free. Now, I want to address this part really quickly because, remember, we were talking about earlier theory, worshiping God in theory. Now, a lot of times when we hear this verse said, we hear this verse said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Have you heard it like that before? 
it shall set you free. But the accurateness, the, the accuracy of the verse is that the truth will make you free. He said, well, what's the difference? There's a difference from setting and making. See, every year prisoners get set free. And every year the, the government, the government makes up its mind that we need to prepare that 75% of the prisoners we set free are going to come right back and be bound again. They're going to go out there in the world. They're going to make some sort of crime. They're going to do something out of the ordinary to get them back in trouble. And they're coming right back. See, when you're set free from something, the option of coming back is at a high percentage. But the Bible says here that God made you free. He makes you free. When you've been made something, you can't change it. I was made a male. I cannot change. I don't care how many surgeries I have. I don't care what, what kind of pills I take, what kind of hormone pills I take, what kind of estrogen pills I take, whatever it is. And no matter what I do, I can go change my, my, my figure. I can go do whatever. When I stand before God, I'm going to stand before God the way he made me. I can't change it. I was made a black man. I don't care if I go bleach my skin. I don't care if I do whatever I want to do. At the end of the day, I was made something. I can't change that. And the Bible says this. When you know the truth, oh, hallelujah. When you get the truth of a matter, you're made free in that area, never to be bound again. When you get the truth of the matter that God has taken through his son, all of your sickness and disease off of you. He has taken the sickness and disease off of you and you're made free in that area. When the doctor comes in and says, hey, we as we saw this, you can now stand up with all boldness and say, I understand that doctor, but I've been made healed. I've been made free in this area because Jesus died on the cross. When all the bills come rushing in and it seems like you have more month than you have money. And you don't have to worry because you know that the Bible says that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. You've been made free in that area. Hallelujah. You've been made free in that area. How about this one? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. You don't have to now go out and fight and hurt somebody because they did you wrong. Because why? You've been made free in the area because you know the truth. God is going to take care of it better than you could ever take care of it. I told you a scenario a couple of months ago where I went to a particular ministry and, and we sold out. We did everything you can think of. We put everything, we poured ourselves into this ministry and we were done extremely wrong at the end. And I didn't go. My baseline character back in the day would have been, no, no, no. I'm going to tell you how I feel. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. And if you want to, if it wants to come to blows, let it come to blows. It's going to be like that because I'm like that. And this particular time, I trusted the word of God, which is vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. And I just said, I just kept a smile on my face and kept it moving. Well, six months later, I went back to visit that ministry and there was a guest speaker in and the guest speaker rebuked the pastor in front of the whole church about how he handled me. Now, if I would have went off and gave him a piece of my mind, God couldn't have done that. 
Because now it would have been some foolishness that, yeah, I, I did it like this, but he did it like this. And then it would have justified their foolishness because of how I responded. But I knew the truth in the situation. And the truth in the situation is my God shall take vengeance for me. And because I knew that truth, I was made free from my attitude and responding any kind of way in that situation. See, you'll know when you're going through life, you'll know when you know the truth in the area. Certain things just don't bother you. You know what I'm saying? Stuff will happen, and it just don't bother you. People be like, that, that's not bothering you? That's not getting on your nerve? That's, that, that's not, you, I mean, you're not going to respond to that? You're like, girl, I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't paying that no attention. To, my guy, I'm not, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't nothing to get my time. Why is it? You've been made free in that area. Why? Because you know the truth. The Bible here says, and you will know the truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jump down to verse 36. And if the son thereof, therefore, shall make you free. Look at this now. When you know the truth, you shall be made free. And then it says here in verse 36. If the son, talking about Jesus, therefore shall make you free, guess what? You are free indeed. So when Jesus says to this woman in John chapter 4, they that worship the Father must worship me in spirit and in truth, I got to worship him from the standpoint of knowing the truth about him. Now, in closing, I was in a very deep conversation earlier this well, earlier last week. And the person that I was talking to was near and dear to my heart. And we, we almost spent three hours talking, which is something, if you know anything about me, I'm, I don't want to spend three hours talking, not me. I love to talk, but not for three hours to the same person. I wanted to switch it up. <laughs> but the comment came up of why or how, Joshua, are you so successful in this area it was a, a business I used to do lawn. We were talking about lawn and they started their business, a lawn business, and they're struggling with it. They said, we're doing, we're doing, you know, everything you told us to do. We're submitting invoices. We're submitting proposals. We're advertising everything we told you to do, but I'm not finding the success that you had in lawn. And the first thing I did after hearing God's voice, as I reached down and I, I picked a blade of grass and I, asked, I put the blade of grass into her hand and I said, what's the name of that grass? <laughs> and she said, it's grass. I said, yes, it's grass, but what kind of grass? What type of grass? Then I walked a little further down and I picked a different blade of grass and I put that in her hand. And I said, tell me the difference between these two pieces of grass. And all she could say was, it's just grass. And I said, this is why your lawn company isn't successful. Because you haven't sold out to what you're doing. When I was in lawn, I knew the difference between Floor 10, St. Augustine. I knew the difference between Palmetto, St. Augustine. 
I knew the difference between Bahia grass and torpedo grass. Then I looked at this tree. I said, what's the name of that tree? What's the name of that hedge? She could not tell me what those things were. And I said, you can't expect God to bless something that you're not willing to sell out to. This is what it means to worship him in truth. A lot of you guys are worshiping God, but because you haven't sold out to understand to God, to understand the truth of who he is, you don't see the benefit of it. You don't see the fruit of your worship. You're struggling day in and day out. Things are hitting you. The enemy is punching you and you don't know how to respond because you haven't fully committed to God. You haven't fully sold out to him. And today, and I know this by the spirit of God, today, God is asking you and requiring of you for what he has for you all to do in this ministry and in this city and in your own purposes. He is asking you to fully sell out to him. He wants to be more, praise God, than a five minute prayer when you wake up. Thank you, Lord, for this day. I will rejoice and be glad in it. He wants to be more than a two-minute prayer before you go down and go to bed. He wants to be more than a 30-second prayer before you eat your breakfast, lunch, or dinner. God wants to be in complete relationship with you. He wants to be more than the person you run to when you need help. He wants to be more than the person, praise God, that you call on when you're in trouble. He wants to commune with you. The Bible says in Revelation, praise God, that I stand at the door knocking. I stand at the door knocking. Will you let me in? I stand at the door knocking. Will you let me in so I can commune, so I can commune with you? God wants to commune with you. God wants to commune with you. Commune means he wants to be in, he wants to be in every single part of your life. He wants to be involved in every part of your life. And I know the reason why things aren't working for some of you the way you want them to work, the way you dreamed it would work, is because God is like a safety blanket instead of being the complete cover. And the same way you would get tired of being a safety blanket for somebody calling you whenever they needed you, and it seemed like every time they call, it's a need. God is saying, I love you, and I want you, but some stuff I can't do for you, some stuff you have to do for yourself. And the only way you can do it is by fully committing yourself to me in every area. In the areas you like, and in the areas you don't like. Hallelujah. He wants all of you. The Bible says in Psalms 119 that God is mindful of you. He's obsessed with you. There's a verse, I believe it's in Ecclesiastics, where King Solomon says, God wants to be the apple of your eye. And he wants you to be the apple of his eye. 
Do you know what that, that means? And I'll close here. Lauren, can you come in for a second? I can do this with you. Come here for one second. I want you to see this because a lot of people don't, they think Apple to eyes is just this really important person. Bend down a little bit for me so people can see you. The apple of the eye means God wants to be so close to you that he can see his reflection in your eyeball and you can see his reflection in, in or your reflection in his eyeball. So right now, this is not the apple of, of, of an eye. God says, I want to be so close that I can literally see me in your eyeball. Like right now, I can see myself in your eyes. This is how close God wants to be. But we keep God at a distance. We back God up. And because God is backed up, God can't be all that he wants to be in our lives. But now we'll do this to his hand when we need him. We'll do this to his hand when we'll seek his hand. You want to be a part of this, Adeline? Come on. We'll seek his hand. We'll seek his hand. Hi. But God says, I want you to seek my face. And in seeking my face, I need to be as close as possible so I can see my reflection in your eyeball. Thank you. Now, you might say to yourself, that's impossible. And God says this, nothing is impossible as long as you put the effort towards it. And in this series, as we close this and wrap this series up of what true worship is, the spirit of worship, God says, I want, to, I want you to worship me in spirit and in truth. Worship me. Do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it. And do it from the standpoint of knowing who I am when I tell you to do it. A lot of times when we worship, we don't know who God is. And because we don't know who he is or the truth of what he is in that situation, we don't complete what he tells us to do. And God says that has to change, especially in this ministry. If you're attached to it, whether you're in this city or not in this city, the blessings that God wants for you is based upon your ability to do what he tells you to do when he tells you to do it and do it from the standpoint of truth, meaning you have gathered all the information and you have sold out once you've gathered that information completely to what you've gathered in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I pray to God that you got something from this. Amen. Hallelujah. I pray that you got something from this. I pray that this series blessed you. I am so excited that I was able to teach this, that God sent us this way. I completely understand now why God sent us this way. And I pray you got something from it. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for everybody on this line right now, Father. I thank you for these, your children, Father God, on this line. I pray right now that they will become the people that, that the children that you have called them to be in worshiping you in spirit and in truth, Father God. I thank you from this day forward. Oh, no. I thank you from this day forward that from here on out, they will walk in integrity and in the uprightness of who you are, Father, in Jesus' name. Everyone on this phone, Alfredo, Lord God, Bob, Christopher and Malika, Lord God, Felisa, hallelujah, iPhone, Larice, Monet and Feliciana, Nathaniel, Lord God, Prophetess Sharon, Regina, Lawanda, Lord God, 
I declare and decree right now that they will sell out to who you are in Jesus' name. I love you, Lord, and I praise you for it right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I pray you got something out of this, and uh, I'm super excited. For those who are giving and want to give or have a desire to give, you know, uh, we thank you for anything, any gift you can give in Jesus' name. Uh, you can text the word LAUNCH, LAUNCH to 1-800, excuse me, 1-888-364-GIVE, 1-888-364-GIVE, and there will be a link that will be sent back to you so you can go to a private page and you can sow your gift there in Jesus' name. Next week, for next week, everybody pay attention, please. Uh, next week, um, let me get back to it so I'm not missing out on it, sorry. Next week, Sunday, we will not be having service here at 11 o'clock. Next week, so as you guys are preparing your, your offering, we will not be having service here at 11 o'clock. Next week, Sunday. We will be with our mentors in Atlanta, Georgia at a conference. We'll be speaking at a conference. I'll be speaking at a conference. Praise God. I got a, a, a I believe I'm speaking Friday. I'm not sure. Or not, it's Saturday. Um, but we want you to participate. Uh, go to, write this down. Um, oh, man, that's not it. Say what? In part ministries dot org international not dot org you go to youtube impart ministries international on youtube praise and worship starts at 12 45 and um the service starts at 1 30 we will be in service live with them so uh praise god we will want we want you all to join with us there and what i'll do is we'll send out the the, the youtube link so you guys can just click right on the live and be a part of service. Praise and worship starts at 12.45 sharp, and then the, the service actually starts at 1.30. So whether or not you want to participate in praise and worship, you make that you make that your decision, or if you want to, which I would love everybody to participate in the actual service, uh, so you can hear our mentors speak, the people who, who pour into us day in and day out, who pray for you guys, who call and check up on you guys to make sure things are going good for you guys, in Jesus' name. So we want you to be a part about a part of that. Uh, it is Impart, Impart Ministries International on YouTube. Uh, I will send out reminders, praise God, about it. And we hope to see you there. I hope to see you guys there on that live service. And then we'll resume right back here November 5th for our service here at Launch Church. All right? Hold up your offering or your phone if you gave through your phone, praise God. And if you had a desire to give and you could not give, still hold up your hand. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these, your people, Lord God, who are giving on today. I pray a special blessing upon them, Lord God. Your Bible says that they should give cheerfully. And if once they give cheerfully, Lord God, that you will cause the Luke 638 blessing to rain upon them, that you will cause men to pour into their bosom, press down, shaking together and running over, and they will be 30, 60, 100 fold return in Jesus' name. Father, I pray a special hedge of protection throughout this week for every individual on this page, even as I touch this screen, Lord God, and I touch their names. I declare right now in Jesus' name that every heart, Lord God, is protected. 
any issues that somebody might be going through, any struggles that somebody might be experiencing. I thank you for divine wisdom right now to go forth in Jesus' name. I thank you that you will guide them, Holy Spirit, that you will give them the words to say, that you will put them in the right place to meet the right person in Jesus' name. And Lord, I release right now my ministering in my warring angels to go forth into every person's life, into every situation in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And make this situation good and make it right for them. Stay on assignment until it gets right for them in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you. We bless you. We honor you. I declare once again, every bill paid. I declare every child safe this week. I declare every marriage growing closer together in Jesus' name. I declare every entrepreneur and business owner more customers, Lord God. I declare it right now in Jesus' name over their families, over their households, over their children, Lord God. I declare that you are so the, the number one uh, source of provider of, for them, that they look to you and look to you only in Jesus' name. Now, Father, we thank you. We love you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, we pray, believe, and declare. Amen and amen. You guys, we love you, and we'll see you in Atlanta, Georgia next week. Be blessed. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless, and have an amazing week.